0: hi this pastor woods again up here in sun valley arizona i wanted to keep my appointment with you that's kind of what i feel like anyhow each week when i make these podcasts i feel like i have an appointment to come and speak to you you know god's got some appointments with you too in fact god's got three appointments with every person in hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 it says and as it is appointed unto men once to die But after this, the judgment. You know, all of us make appointments. We make appointments that we sometimes enjoy. We make some that we dread. I dread when I have to make an appointment to go to the dentist. Sometimes if you have to go to your child's teacher, you kind of dread that. We make business appointments, social appointments, romantic appointments. You know, when when you're courting uh, somebody, you, you go out on dates and that kind of thing. Some people make appointments with no intention of keeping them. Uh, There have been times when people have made appointments with me during my ministry, and then I've been stood up. They have wanted to come in for counseling. At the last minute, changed their mind, and uh, they didn't show. There are others who are always late for their appointments, and a few who always show up early. Do you know that God has made some appointments with you? He's made an appointment with each of us, in the place of prayer and worship when God's people come together. In fact, Matthew eighteen twenty 20 says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He has made other appointments with us. He's appointed us to ministry of mercy to the needy. In Matthew twenty five thirty four through 40, it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord... When saw we thee hungered, or fed thee, or or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or or naked, and clothed thee? When saw we thee a stranger, um, and uh, sick, and in prison, or came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brothers, you have done it unto me god has appointment with us at the door of our hearts uh, and uh, you know wanting to he, he says he stands at the door and knocks wanting us to open and let him in he's got an appointment with us at the door of the hearts of our unsaved friends ezekiel 3 18 says when i say unto the wicked thou shalt surely die and thou givest him not warning nor speak speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way To save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. You know, that's a scary one. That's something that way back when I started out in the ministry, I found that scripture. And I thought, I want to be very, very sure when I speak and say, thus saith the Lord, that this is what the Lord says. Because I don't want to mislead anybody and have their blood on my hands. You know, if you already belong to Christ, praise God, God wants to use you to tell your unsaved friends and neighbors about God's love so they have a chance to get saved too. Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Our job is to help him knock on the door. We can tell them what we know, but it takes the Holy Spirit to move upon them to let them know that what we're saying is true. However, we do need to take the message to them. As we obey his commission, he's promised in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So today... I want to think specifically of three appointments God has made with every man, woman, and child. Two of these appointments are inevitable, inescapable, unavoidable. Each of us, without exception, will keep these two appointments with God and will keep them on time. We will be unable to postpone or get a reappointment. These two appointments are mentioned in Hebrews 9:27, where it says, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. And so the first appointment I want to talk about is our appointment with God at death. Most of us are allergic to the thought of death, especially our own. You know, we can't hardly imagine ourselves laying in a casket or whatever. It's just a very scary thing. And so we do all we can to keep from thinking about it. We try to keep the best health possible so we can put off the possibility of death as long as possible. Uh, I remember when I first became diabetic back in 1984. My doctor said, you've got to do this, this, and this. You've got to eat this and all that or you're going to die. I said, you know you're wrong there i said i've got an appointment and i will die when that appointment comes but not until and he told me that he thought i was wrong anyhow two christian science men visited a sick man once a week for several months each time they left they would say don't worry fred you only think you're sick one day they showed up at home at the home and we met by Fred's wife she said you can't see Fred today he thinks he's dead you know we try to dress death up in beauty when it comes we change terms so they sound less harsh and frightening you know and when did he pass or we had a neighbor and when Grand Coulee used to say when George went away one day I said where did George go and when did he go away she said he died I said oh okay listen No matter how rich or healthy or powerful a person is, they will keep that appointment with God in death. No matter how holy a person is, they will not escape death. Abraham, Isaac, Isaiah, John, the Apostle Paul, Augustine, Martin Luther, and on and on all have died. Great political power won't help you avoid your appointment with death. Washington, Lincoln, Roosevelt, Churchill, Kennedy, Reagan, all have died. It may be in a sterile hospital or your home or on the highway from a massive wreck or from an atomic blast that death will come to you. The time's not certain, but all of us will meet God at the appointed time of death unless he takes us home in the rapture. We'll talk about that some other time. But that is why we should be ready. And then the second appointment, our appointment with God in judgment, Hebrews 9.27. And it is appointed men once to die, but after this the judgment. We don't march off into oblivion through the doorway of death. We're not recycled so that we come back in another life. We go to meet God in judgment where we'll give an accounting of the life we've lived and the decisions we made. Especially at Asia will be the question, what did you do with Jesus Christ? I hear many fools say, hell, no big deal. When I get to hell, I'll be so busy shaking hands with all my friends, I won't have time to notice the fire. My, how some people joke about hell, but it won't be a joke if you get there, and I hope you don't. This is the testimony of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that God does not want to send you to hell. Some people will say, well, you know, how could a just God send anybody to hell? He does not send you. That's your choice. He gives you the option to be forgiven of your sins and to go to heaven. But if you end up rejecting what he's given you the option to do and end up in hell, it's not because God sent you there. It's because you made the choice and God let you go there the second chapter romans says the judgment of god will be according to truth it's the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth that we're going to give an accounting for when we stand before almighty god god's not going to buy into any excuses because he knows the real truth this is what most people dread romans chapter 2 verse 2 but we are sure that the judgment of god is according to truth against them which commit such things excuses may seem to work now but not then you know i hear people say well there's too many hypocrites i and and on i just don't want to serve god there's just too many hypocrites in the church too many hypocrites pretending they're christians listen if that's the way you feel there's a hypocrite between you and god and and i i don't know if you really feel about that that way the hypocrites are going to end up in hell why would you want to join them there why not come out from among them and be separate and go to heaven where god wants you to be by the way you aren't going to straighten god out over your grievances when you stand before him I used to work with a wicked old lady in Seattle who thought she would lecture God on all the things that she thought he had done wrong. Boy, I'll bet she was surprised when she stood before God and found out she did not have anything to tell him. The judgment of God will be to every man according to his deeds, according to Romans chapter 2, verse 6. Both the good and the evil is recorded in God's record. Uh, and at the day of judgment, we will face the total record. Numbers thirty-two twenty-three. be sure your sin will find you out. The only way to avoid the judgment of sin is to apply the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from all sin. Christians say things like, Jesus died for you. You must be cleansed by the blood of Christ. Often that doesn't mean a thing to somebody that doesn't have a background that the Christians do. You know, I attended the movie The Passion of the Christ when it first came out. Some dumb teenagers were standing in the line behind me. One of them said, why should I care about some stupid Jew getting executed 2,000 years ago? That really means nothing to me. Well, he's surprised to find out it should have meant something to him. The question is often asked, why is Christ's death any more important than all the military deaths who perished to protect our nation? They died for us too. They shed their blood to keep us free, or for that matter, anyone who dies to save another. The answer? To understand, you have to go back to Genesis and the account of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God placed them in the most beautiful part of his creation actually heaven on earth every want or need that they had was cared for they were given full control of the garden and all the animals in it there was only one restriction they could eat from every tree in the garden they could go anywhere they wanted to in the garden but they were told to leave one tree in the center of the garden alone they were not to eat from that tree god had created them with the power of choice they had free will to choose if they'd obey god or not god warned them if they disobeyed they'd ruin everything and they would die not spiritually eventually physically and eternally you know we're dead in trespasses and sins that's spiritually until we accept christ as our savior eventually we're going to die physically where this old body is laid down and our souls our spirits go to eternity and uh, the the eternal death is separation from god forever and ever and ever god had already evicted satan or lucifer and a third of his angels he'd already kicked them out of heaven because of their rebellion and to make a long story short satan showed up in the garden of eden uh, disguised as a serpent he lied to and tempted adam and eve and they yielded to satan's enticement and disobeyed god's command and changed the whole wonderful setup that god had given to man they were thrown adam and eve were thrown out of the garden now they had to work hard to exist now they suffer pain sickness death and all the byproducts of sin they ruined the whole wonderful existence that they had enjoyed before the rebellion another byproduct of the rebellion is that sin entered the human race and all their descendants would now be born with sin and rebellion in their natures adam and eve's disobedience to god would create inbred sin in every child born to the race every sweet little baby would have a sinful nature and would land them in hell unless someone can figure out how to remedy this horrible situation you can read the whole horrible story in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3 because sin brought death to the human race and the wages of sin is death someone had to pay the price by dying for our sin in the Old Testament Animals were sacrificed in death, and their blood uh, would atone temporarily for man's sin. This practice required untold numbers of animals dying and shedding their blood as substitutes for man's sinful living. Some people wonder, well, why did, you know, they do that? Because every time you sacrificed an animal, you were reminded that it had to happen because of of your sinful condition. hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission which means that without the shedding of blood there was no forgiveness of sin this wasn't satisfactory because these sacrifices had to be repeated over and over because men kept sinning something Or someone who was part of the human race with no sin of his own had to represent the whole sinful race and die as a substitute for man's sin to pay the price of redemption and redeem us from sin. The only plan was for God's perfect Son with no sin of his own to be our substitute and die in our place fulfilling the requirement for the wages of sin. He had to be ...part of the human race and still without sin. Therefore, Mary, a virgin, would bear this perfect baby to qualify his being human. God would be the Father to fulfill the need to be divine. Jesus would be tempted in every way, yet without sin, to qualify as Savior of the fallen race. That's what it means that Jesus died for our sins... Because he was sinless, his death carried our reconciliation to God, where a soldier's death, though heroic, couldn't redeem us from sin and couldn't provide a place for us in heaven because he has his own sins. That's why the shed blood of Jesus Christ atones for our sin. The only way to avoid the judgment of sin is to let God apply the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from your sin. If you don't accept what Christ has done for you and if you don't repent of your sin and confess them to Jesus and accept that he is your Savior, you will not get to heaven. You will spend eternity in hell. Well, some people say, well, if I live a good life, all my good that won't get you there. without the, without, the Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. With God there will be no spatial allowances or partiality shown to favored people or groups of people. Romans 2.11 For there is no respect of persons with God. You know, in some places a person's political affiliation affects the justice he receives. In many places the color of his skin decides his treatment. Usually a man's money can be wielded to help him evade many of the demands of justice But it will not be like that when we face an impartial God. Your money means nothing to God's economy. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Jeff Bezos, or any other billionaire will have no advantage over you if they've not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. In fact, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? the word of god will be a standard by the standard by which we will be judged romans 2:16. in the day when god shall judge the secrets of men by jesus christ according to my gospel it won't be public opinion that will help you one way or the other or the telephone polls that, that you give or, or surveys that you do about the issues it'll not be self-evaluation It won't make one bit of difference if everyone else has done the same sin you are doing. Uh, You will be judged by the truth of God. Did you repent and accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's all that will matter. The date has been set. The judge has been appointed. Acts 17:31 says, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men in that he hath raised him from the dead. The judgment will be universal, and the verdict will be final. There will be no mistrials, no repeals. There will be no miscarriage of justice. You have one, uh, one other appointment with God which you can keep but aren't forced to do so. The third appointment that I'm talking about is your appointment with God at Calvary. The most important appointment God has made with you is at the cross where God sacrificed His only begotten Son. John 3:16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved here is the place god has appointed that you meet him in order to prepare to meet him in death and judgment without fear of being lost or rejected god will not force you to keep this appointment At Calvary, the awful, vile, evil nature of your sin is most dramatically revealed. When you see the cross and realize that Christ was dying as your substitute, paying the penalty of sin in your place, you'll stop ignoring God's wonderful plan for your life. You'll quit trying to hide your sin. You'll no longer try to explain away your evil life. You will no longer be able to treat lightly the fact of sin. God has appointed that you meet him at the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ was bruised for your iniquities and where the chastisement of your peace was placed upon him. God would have you meet him at Calvary where 2 Corinthians 5.21 says he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When you come to Calvary to meet God, you see the awful penalty of sin. Ezekiel 18, 20 says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The, righteous of the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. On the cross, Christ met the penalty for your sins. Either you must let the death of Christ meet the requirements of your sin, or you must pay the penalty yourself, and that would be eternity in hell. I mean, you know, sometimes we don't stop to think what that means. Eternity means forever and forever and forever with no hope of ever being released. I wonder if you understand the worth of your soul. God demonstrated how much you are worth when Jesus Christ stepped into history took on the form of man, and died in your place. But he didn't stay in the grave. He arose and is alive forevermore and is offering you salvation if you'll accept his plan for your life. You have an appointment. I hope that you will keep it so that you will be able to be with me and all Christians and especially Jesus Christ in heaven for all eternity. Let's pray father i know that there's some that are listening to this today that have not accepted you as their personal savior god please show them the consequences of rejecting the love of jesus christ and i pray today would be the day they would decide to repent of their sins to turn their lives around to confess to you how they need you as their personal savior and to begin living a Christian life that will end not in judgment of hell, but in uh, welcoming into heaven. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you want to get in touch with me, remember my uh, email address is lowercase r-e-v-w-m-w-w-o-o-d-s at gmail.com. My mailing address is Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona uh and uh 86029 god bless you i'll try to keep the appointment next however next week i'll probably get the podcast out earlier because i need to go down to phoenix on uh, friday and saturday of next week to uh, for a family situation so uh we'll be in touch god bless you and uh be praying for you